All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode eight of the Shakedown Podcast. This is the NASCAR podcast that breaks boundaries and stirs up controversy. Now, a couple of housekeeping notes before we actually dive into the content. It's been about a week. Uh, let me just debrief here for a second with you guys. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Bachman. Thanks for being here. Uh, before we get into the content, just want to say a couple of things. Uh, I did not post an episode on Friday. It's been a hectic week for me. Uh, finally moved into my house back at school. Uh, for my final year or so, there were a lot of uh, just different things that had to get done, the move-in process over the weekend and all that all that stuff, uh, you know, definitely took a lot more time than I had initially thought. I did say that there was going to be an episode on Friday in last week's episode of the podcast. Just wasn't going to happen, uh, unfortunately, but we're back here now for our regularly scheduled program. Like I said, back here in my house, uh, the YouTube channel, the YouTube channel should be fired up next week. Still trying to lay out my whole setup for this. Uh, really excited for that. So uh, definitely keep updated with social media. That's the other thing. Now that I'm set in my space, I can now really pull full focus on this podcast and creating the content for you guys. I know that it's been a little bit of a rough start, but I appreciate all of you for tuning in and for connecting on social media. Please do so. That's where we can continue the conversation. You can ask me questions. We could talk when we are not. Just doing the podcast here every Tuesday and Friday. Social media is a great place to connect. So if you are not following the podcast or myself, be sure to go do that on Twitter and Instagram at Shakedown underscore pod and on Twitter at MV Bachman. We can talk over there and discuss NASCAR, what's on your mind, all that good stuff. So definitely going to be pumping out the social media content from here on out. Uh, You know, again, just wanted to be in my space, finally get up here, set everything up and put my full force into this podcast from here on out. So again, I appreciate all of the support and for you guys just sticking with me from uh, from the beginning. But eight episodes in, and we are now going to fully go head on into this into this thing. So I appreciate it all, and I'm ho- I hope you're just as excited as I am. Um, but again, I apologize for not uploading an episode on Friday. It's going to be consistent from here on out. Just a crazy time uh, for me trying to plan everything and get everything set up. But with that, just wanted to get that out of the way. I uh, just want to say how much I appreciate the support uh, for the early launch of this podcast. But with that said, we have a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, created a list, and we are going to talk about a couple of different things. We're going to obviously recap the Dover double header. We'll look at the notable finishers. I uh, will give you my key takeaways from just the weekend as a whole. And we'll look at the playoff bubble going into the final race of the regular season at Daytona. We will also uh, do our second edition of the Power Rankings. I'll give you my top 10 drivers in the Cup Series right now. And then we've got a big, 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 big bit of news to discuss that's floating around in NASCAR. Some, some of it was confirmed uh, yesterday and this morning. A lot of it continuing to be rumors. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the matter and the meaning behind this and just the significant impact that it could have on the industry and where things could be heading. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. But without further ado, wherever you are, however you're listening to this podcast, we're in the closing stages of August, people. One race left before the playoffs officially begin. It's an exciting time for uh, for NASCAR and motorsports in general. So why don't you sit back, relax, crack open a cold one, and let's get into 
what we have on tap for today. Let's start with the Dover doubleheader and look at the top finishers from there. So starting with race one, going to briefly talk about race one, and then we will get more in depth with race two. That's kind of how these doubleheaders have worked. Race one, for most of the doubleheaders, have been pretty mediocre, per se, and the second race is definitely more interesting. But just to look at the results from race number one at Dover, it was Denny Hamlin who got his sixth win of the season, dominated this race, swept the stages. Uh, It was really no contest. But Martin Truex Jr., who came up second, gave him a run for his money, uh, was leading there at the end, just couldn't get around lap traffic as efficiently as he thought. Denny Hamlin ultimately able to overtake Martin Truex Jr. and get his sixth win of the season. That's been the storyline. Uh, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, as you will see, the two dominant drivers of this year. It's what we've been talking about. It's what we're going to continue to talk about. Uh, and it just shows at every track, a track that Denny Hamlin is or has not had great success at being Dover and being able to just come in there and dominate as he did. Uh, really says a lot about how Denny Hamlin and that entire 11 team has been running this year. But Joe Gibbs Racing, one, two, three. Denny Hamlin, MTJ, and Kyle Busch getting in there, uh, finishing top three. So really good for that team to see there. And again, when you look at JGR, we have Eric Jones in 12th right there. So obviously, you know, with Eric Jones leaving JGR, uh, not performing like Hamlin, Truex, and Kyle Busch, uh, this year, it just shows that entire 20 team continues to uh, run multiple positions lower than his than their teammates. So a good weekend for JGR. Nonetheless, Kevin Harvick fourth, Chase Elliott notch in the top five. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Johnson, who finished seventh in the first race. Uh, it was a pivotal weekend for this 48 in the playoff deficit that they were in coming into this race. Uh, 20-some-odd points below the cut line. Jimmy Johnson able to capitalize on stage points, get a top-10 finish, actually found himself three points to the good after this first race. So it was an it was a important race and just weekend in general for Jimmy Johnson in the 48, a track that Jimmy Johnson historically is the greatest at. I had said that Jimmy Johnson was going to sweep the weekend, which obviously did not happen, but just a bold prediction that and that's what we are here. We are bold. Uh, no matter how stupid or out of control some of these predictions may be, you got to be bold. And Jimmy Johnson had had speed, almost had race-winning speed, but just wasn't able to capitalize on on it. So nonetheless, a good top 10 for Jimmy. A uh, couple of Penske guys in there, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. with a top 10 as well. Eric Almirola finished 17th. Uh, not a stellar day for that 10 team. Uh, and also Matt Benedetto, just the weekend as a whole, Matt Benedetto finished 20th, obviously with the field inverted, uh, he would start on the pole for race number two, and even with that, uh, was not able to capitalize on that track position and stay up there. So Matt Benedetto with a mediocre uh, weekend, and now finds himself in a pretty, pretty treacherous territory down there in the playoff bubble. Going into the final race. A couple notables for for uh, race one outside of the top 20. William Byron, who had an embarrassing performance, uh, finishing 28th, found himself two laps down. And uh, in the NBC broadcast, they had played some audio between William Byron and Chad Knauss. Things getting a little tense. The, the playoff pressure obviously getting to these guys. So finishing 28th, you know, driver to crew chief relations in that race wasn't necessarily the best. Uh, just guys getting a little pissed off. But that's just what happens. And then Kurt Busch, who finished dead last, had a little contact with Joey Logano early, ended his day. 
Uh, not used to seeing that one car crash out early with the consistency that they run in week in and week out. So Kurt Busch uh, and an early exit there in race one. But in race two, narratives are a little different. Kevin Harvick came away with the win, his seventh win of the season. Harvick also able to secure the regular season championship with gives him 15 extra playoff points going into the playoffs. I mean, it's just, it's unheard of. The success that Kevin Harvick is having, the success that Denny Hamlin is having, it's pretty remarkable to watch. A lot of people are getting annoyed with it. But as I said on previous episodes of this podcast, this is going to be something that we talk about in years to come in terms of the dominance of these two guys. Martin Truex Jr., again, second place, seventh straight top three finish. This team, him and James Small, have found that connection, have established it, and have really molded it together. And also, just being able to have that speed, be there at the end, is pretty pretty great. You know, we talk about Eric Almirola and his consistency running top 10. We're now Martin Truex Jr., seven straight top three finishes. That's what this team needs if they want to find themselves at the playoffs. You know, running consistently, staying out of trouble, being there up front. That's what this team needs uh, in order to really elevate themselves through these playoff rounds. Jimmy Johnson, top three. Uh, and it was a it was an interesting call by Cliff Daniels there at the end on that last restart. Jimmy Johnson took only two tires, was able to line up on the outside of the front row. Almost was able to clear Kevin Harvick there at the end. If clean air was a factor and if Jimmy Johnson was able to get that clean air, would he be able to hold off Kevin Harvick? Probably not, just because Kevin Harvick was so dominant the entire race. Uh, but Jimmy Johnson was able to hold on to a third-place finish uh, ahead of his teammate William Byron, who was able to bounce back and finish fourth in race two. Collected more stage points than Jimmy Byron now four points above the cut line. So going into race two, Jimmy Johnson had a three-point buffer. William Byron was able to accumulate more stage points than Jimmy Johnson, able to run basically top five all day. So just the turnaround overnight for this team was remarkable. You know, they were night and day from where they were running in race one, now in race two. So William Byron able to have a bounce-back performance, and it was pivotal because now he sits four points above the cut line. Then Alex Bowman in there as well. His first top five since Darlington won the first race since the pandemic. I mean, this this 88 team has been non-existent. You know, we talked about them early on before the hiatus and how Hendrick was back and all this. You know, I sound like a broken record on this podcast, but it's just, you know, it's the truth. And Alex Bowman, a run that this team needed, hopefully could carry some momentum, uh, you know, going into the playoffs just because this team was nowhere near where they were running earlier on in the year. Uh, Eric Almirola able to get a top 10 in there for race number two. We talked about Matt Benedetto finished 17th. And Matt Benedetto, when he finished 20th in race one, able to start on the pole, was there for a little while, dropped back, and just was never able to find that speed. Just a bad weekend for this 21 team. Matt Benedetto, you know, we talked, to him, talked about him as a, as a lock for the, for the playoffs, had a big enough cushion, you know, consist, consistently bad races. For this 21 team now, Matt Benedetto is only nine points above the cut line. And going into Daytona, you know, a track that Matt Benedetto does have success at. He's a good plate racer. That 21 team, you know, that 21 car in general generally runs well at super speedways. So it's not the weekend that this team needed. But, you know, going into Daytona, there's so many unknowns. Uh, anything could happen. But it's a positive sign that Benedetto does have experience running up front there it's just puts more pressure under this team for a driver who n hasn't necessarily had to run under immense pressure like this 
You know, if Matt Benedetto doesn't make the playoffs, which now is a possibility, he's only on a one-year deal with Wood Brothers Racing. There is a driver who's dominating the Xfinity Series right now by Austin Sindrick, who will be looking for a cup ride. And I think, you know, has proven... I mean, it all, it all will depend on how he performs in the playoffs, but just the run that this young man has had in the Xfinity Series, you know, he's hungry for a cup ride. Could he possibly boot Matt Benedetto out if Benedetto does not make a playoff, make the playoffs or win a race this year? That's a possibility. So Matt Benedetto's got a lot of pressure under him this week. And, you know, I think that his career could be on the line. At Penske with the 21, just because Austin Sindrick's down there, and looking for a cup ride and is absolutely dominating. So Matt Benedetto is going to have to try and avoid the carnage at Daytona, find his way up front and find a way to uh, you know, make the playoffs because I think that that is going to be a pivotal moment in his career just knowing the contract and the uncertainty of what that future could look like. A couple notables outside of the top 20 for race number two, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Chase Elliott, they were caught up in in a wreck in the early stages of this one, Chase Elliott finished 39th, Stenhouse 37th after two two good runs on Saturday. Uh, weren't able to replicate that on Sunday. But those are just some of your top finishers from the weekend. Now my key takeaways from the weekend. And I alluded to it uh, just prior, but whose bubble will burst in terms of the playoffs? Almirola and the Bush brothers did clinch playoff berths. So Eric Almirola, Kurt, and Kyle made the playoffs. It is now Boyer to Benedetto and Byron, the final three spots in the playoffs. So Jimmy Johnson had a great weekend, was able to, you know, tighten up the race there at the bubble. William Byron, again, able to bounce back in race two. Eric Jones, Matt Benedetto, as we talked about, had mediocre weekends. You know, Eric Jones is is a decent decent point buffer outside. Matt Benedetto is, again, only nine points inside now. So Daytona, man, there's any race that has to be the final race of the regular season that these guys don't want to see. It's probably Daytona or Talladega, any of the super speedways, because I mean, hell, anything could happen. You know, let's say just hypothetically, William Byron is in that final 16th spot. You know, a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. who was inches away from winning Talladega uh, when Ryan Blaney won, he was inches away and could have could have made the playoffs, you know, could have a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. He ran up front at Daytona for a while, uh, at the Daytona 500. He started on the pole for that race. And again, almost winning at Talladega. He's a phenomenal plate racer. Everyone knocks him for his aggression. But I mean, say what you want. Ricky Stenhouse does have the success at plate tracks. You know, he won two at Roush a couple years ago. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. could spoil the party for a lot of these guys. Nobody is safe, whether you're in 15th, or 60th. I think Clint Boyer, as long as he stays out of trouble and finishes the race, will make the playoffs. But, you know, guys like Benedetto and Byron, Jimmy Johnson, Eric Jones, uh, you know, these guys, anything can happen. Anybody can come in here and steal this win. So it's all a matter of who is going to be there at the end and avoid the big one uh, or just avoid the carnage because it's going to be close. Uh, guys are going to be aggressive. You know, guys are going to be taking risks. We had talked about... And I had said that, you know, Talladega, I had thought was going to be, you know, a boring race just with the unknown of running at a at a super speedway for the first time. No practice, no qualifying guys trying to get a feel for the track. That wasn't the case at all. Guys were running two, three wide basically the entire race. We saw no single car trains 
And I mean, the race proved that you can have a phenomenal uh, super speedway race without the big one. So anything could happen. You know, the bubble's going to burst. It's just a matter of when and how and who's going to be able to avoid it. Uh, doubleheader dominance, you know, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick are the only winners of doubleheader weekends in 2020. And could we see with the dominance of these two drivers, could we see two double digit winners in 2020? I had read a report. Uh, I can't remember who it was from, but I read, I had read something that Denny Hamlin had, uh, going into 2020 had a goal of winning 10 races this season. He's four away from it. Kevin Harvick's three away from it. I do believe I have. I believe Kevin Harvick's gonna get up, gonna get ten wins. This entire. It's not just that Kevin Harvick has been dominant. It's this entire Ford team. Uh, Rodney Childers is the best crew chief in the garage. Kevin Harvick is the best driver in the garage, and the Ford team has the best pit crew in the garage. So, you know, Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick have fired on all cylinders since Kevin Harvick has joined that team, and it's been unbelievable. Kevin Harvick will go down as a top ten driver in NASCAR history. Um, you know, Kevin Harvick, I think, is a sure lock for the championship four, as well as Denny Hamlin. These two guys are going to be battling it out. The other thing to consider is, you know, these are this is the first race that Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, with this rule package on a one-mile track, won. You know, the championship race is being run at Phoenix, a one-mile track with the 750-horsepower package. Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin's track record at Phoenix is pretty damn good. These guys are continuing to make statements, continuing to take all these other guys to school. Uh, I mentioned all these guys are going to have master degrees. At this rate, they're going to have doctorates in addition just because it's been absolutely insane. And again, people are probably annoyed about it. About it. I mean, you know, it's it's it gets tough watching the same guys every single week sweep stages, win races. I mean, lead laps up front. It is definitely a little, a little annoying, but it'll be dominance that we talk about for years to come. We'll remember, you know, coming back from the pandemic and the hiatus, how dominant Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick win, especially, especially if both guys are battling it to the end at Phoenix in the championship four. That would be the best thing to happen. And finally, this was Jimmy Johnson's weekend. Not just because, you know, he's, he's got the the greatest stats at Dover, you know, 11 wins at the track and, and all this. Um, but the entire final run on Sunday, the camera never moved away from Jimmy Johnson and William Byron. You know, Kevin Harvick was winning. No, but NBC Sport, then nobody cared. Kevin Harvick's won six races already. He's, he was going to win his seventh. You know, the camera did not veer away from the battle between Jimmy Johnson and William Byron there at the end because of everything that's riding on this. Jimmy Johnson's final season. Everybody wants to see him make the playoffs. I mean, the guys in the booth, when they dialed up Johnson during the red flag, when they were, when they were fixing, uh, fixing some of the concrete in the track, you know, they even said they want to see Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson in the playoffs. Who doesn't? It's his final season. They want to see him go out on his shield and go out, you know, fighting for a championship, even if that means around a, a 12 exit. I mean... So be it. But we want to see Jimmy Johnson make the playoffs. And this battle between legend, greatest of all time, and future star carries a lot of weight, especially since Jimmy Johnson is battling his old crew chief, Chad Knauss, whom he had all of this success with. And now William Byron driving for Knauss. And Cliff Daniels is trying to prove himself as a crew chief that he can lead Jimmy Johnson 
to the playoffs. That ballsy call to keep Jimmy Johnson out on two tires and still able to salvage a third-place finish, even with that fall-off. You know, the restart, tires fall-off was definitely a lot more, but as the tires, as the new tires were able to get acclimated to the surface, you know, that definitely evened out. But still, that was a ballsy call by Cliff Daniels to keep Jimmy Johnson up there and possibly, you know, have him find clean air, maybe. But, but we want to see Jimmy Johnson make the playoffs, and it was Jimmy's weekend at his greatest track, you know, it was a solid weekend. It wasn't quite what I had what I had predicted, but nonetheless, it was Jimmy Johnson's weekend. And, you know, this storyline of legend versus future star, if William Byron is able to live up to that, you know, is is pretty awesome. It's like the changing of the guard. It it, it it's the changing of the guard between, you know, the greatest driver of our generation and now these young guys who are gonna be essentially taking over Rick Hendrick Hendrick Motorsports. Um, so those are my key takeaways from the weekend. The racing itself was mediocre, not the best. You know, Dover's one of my favorite tracks. It's one of, it's, I guess, technically, you know, one of the closest, one of the closest tracks to my home. So I love going there. Um, you know, I just love the uh, the layout of the track and uh, the concrete surface. It's like a big Bristol, in my opinion. But the racing itself was not necessarily the best. You know, not many cautions. Race two, definitely more exciting than race one. But still, pretty mediocre, I would say. And again, same narrative. Hamlin and Harvick dominating in doubleheader weekends. It's all we talk about. Again, I sound like a broken record, but uh, it's pretty pretty special to watch. So a lot of big storylines coming out of it, heading into the uncertainty of the Daytona Oval. And we'll see we'll see how these guys fare. But from that, let's now take a look at who, are, who my top 10 drivers in the Cup Series are right now. This is week two of my power rankings list. So this is the second week we are doing this, power rankings. This is after the Dover doubleheader weekend. And clocking in at number 10 is Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's riding on momentum from this past weekend. In his post-race interview, he had mentioned he is not thinking about the playoffs. You know, he's going into Daytona just with that open mindset of running and finishing the race and hopefully coming out with a win. You know, I think at this point, Jimmy Johnson wants to win a race more than just merely making the playoffs. I mean, we saw in the inaugural Charlotte Roval race when Jimmy Johnson was there at the end, he challenged Truex for the win, and then we obviously know what transpired afterwards, and he wasn't able to um, move on to the round of 12. So Jimmy Johnson is in win mode. Winning is more important than making the playoffs at this point, and that's just what he's going to be trying to do. I mean, if he makes the playoffs, that's be, that'd be awesome. Like I said, we want to see Jimmy Johnson make the playoffs, but I think the win is more important right now. He wants to be able to win in his final season. Uh, and Jimmy Johnson riding on the momentum from this weekend. Hopefully he can carry over. Hopefully he can make the playoffs and try and contend for wins uh, down the line. So Jimmy Johnson comes in at number 10. Number 9 is Kyle Busch. He clinched a playoff berth in 2020. As we said, he's still winless. This is the longest winless streak of his career. It's so unorthodox to hear that or just to see that. Um, but Kyle Busch is definitely making strides better. This team obviously is not where we're used to seeing them run, but I think definitely worthy of a top 10 uh, for now. I think Kyle Busch, if he plays his cards right, because we'll be returning to tracks that we have raced at, already maybe he could use that use the information from previous races 
uh, try and elevate his performance because he's missing that practice aspect. You know, this team values the values the time of making the car better over the course of the weekend. These one-day stops have not been good for this 18 team. Uh, but if he's able to still knock out top three finishes, top ten finishes here and there, um, you know, stay out of trouble and, you know, be there at the end, that's all that matters. So Kyle Busch is worthy of a top ten this week. He comes in at number nine. Number eight is Ryan Blaney. Again, he continues to have consistent speed, was just not quite up to par. He won, uh, almost won stage one on Sunday. It was Kevin Harvick. He, overtake, he overtook him. Uh, Blaney's only got one top ten in the last seven races. You know, obviously some of it due to bad luck, some of it due to team's performance. Ryan Blaney, who was running consistently up front, you know, returning from the pandemic and even before that, uh, not showing as much speed as we have seen. So this team just needs to put together a good win uh, or even a good finish, maybe not even necessarily a win to get back on track. Maybe that'll come at Daytona this, uh, this upcoming weekend. He does have the win at Talladega. Ryan Blaney, you know, I would consider a, a top-tier super speedway racer at this point. So he comes in at number eight. Another top tier super speedway racer is Eric Almirola. Had an okay weekend at Dover. Is historically not great at a track or not great at that track. He could break through at Daytona. He knows how to navigate super speedways. He almost won the Daytona 500 a couple years ago. He won at Talladega. He is a defend. He's a defending winner of this race, uh, which was rain shortened. That got his first career win. So Eric Almirola could uh, find himself there at the front. Fords are strong at these super speedways, man. So Eric Almirola, another top-tier super speedway racer. And running with the consistency, not that we have seen, but still able to show that speed. Uh, I think he could be a threat this weekend. Brad Keselowski comes in at number six. He had a pair of top tens at Dover. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call Keselowski a championship for lock right now. He is having a career year. That is being lost. That's getting lost in the sauce a little bit. He's got 18 top 10s up to this point. It's the best of his career. Um, he's the last Penske driver to win the Coke Zero Sugar 400, and he's got the third highest average finish this year. So, you know, I don't think Brad Keselowski is a clear championship four contender now, as we maybe have previously said when he was winning races. Uh, he's got three wins on the season. He doesn't have the playoff points like Hamlin or, or Harvick. Um, but Keselowski, the last Penske driver to win this race. So could we see him up front again? Penske, we know, is going to be working together, much like JGR. You know, the manufacturers are going to be working together. So Team Penske knows how to navigate these super speedways. It's like an art form. It's like Chase Elliott, you know, as incredible as he is on road courses, it's the same with Penske and how incredible they are navigating super speedways together as a full team. So it's Really a sight to see Brad Keselowski in there. Number five, here's our top five. Chase Elliott's number five. He had a mixed bag of a weekend, finished fifth, and then barely getting laps in on Sunday. But this team just needs to put together consistent finishes in order to ride the momentum. Uh, he dominated the Daytona road course. It's exactly what that team needed. We haven't really been talking about Chase Elliott much since returning from the pandemic. Um, but, you know, having a solid day on Saturday an early wreck on Sunday, they, they can't afford those, those obstacles and those kind of, uh, roadblocks, you know, they need to ride on a couple weeks of consistent finishes, uh, in order to find that winning speed. I think, you know, Chase Elliott historically has made a lot of mistakes, um, have been able to overcome the mistakes as well. 
but I just think they need consistent finishes in order to really show what they are and in order to ride on that momentum. But still, Chase Elliott comes in at number five. Number four is Joey Logano. Joey Logano has six straight top 10 finishes. We really haven't talked about Logano in terms of winning speed. He hasn't won since Phoenix before the pandemic. Uh, Joey Logano is the first driver to win multiple races in 2020, uh, and both of those coming before the hiatus. So Joey Logano, you know, is there, doesn't have that winning speed um, like his teammate Brad Keselowski has had, uh, or uh, Ryan Blaney, I guess, but Blaney obviously hasn't been there in recent weeks. But Joey Logano's still been consistent. Um, and again, Penske, great track record at Daytona. Joey Logano is definitely a leader in that regard. Um, so I think he could definitely be there at Daytona this weekend. So Joey Logano's at number four. And now the top three uh, doesn't seem to be any different. Martin Truex Jr. in third, seven straight top three finishes. You know, like Eric Almirola, easy, easily a championship four threat, I believe, if he continues to ride this consistency. Being able to run top three every single week for as long as he has is really impressive. You know, hasn't won, hasn't won a race, but being able to show that speed every single week, that relationship with James Small getting uh, much better. You know, Martin Trex Jr. will definitely be a threat down the road if he continues to ride like he has. And then the top two, man, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick's the best driver in the Cup Series. Denny Hamlin is not, ju- is not far behind. Um, there's, not, there's nothing to explain there. You know, it's common knowledge at this point. Everybody knows it. So Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, once again, top two. And they're not going anywhere for the... Re- in, a, in, in my opinion, the remainder of the season. I just don't think that it's going to happen. I think Martin Truex may have something to show for him if he starts winning races. Uh, but right now, it's just it's all Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Uh, there's, there's, there's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say. So uh, those are my power rankings for week number two. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, but now I want to trans, transition to the big bit of news that could shake up the NASCAR world in a huge way. And it does involve Denny Hamlin. We're going to talk about Richard Petty Motorsports. We're going to talk about Denny Hamlin. We're going to talk about Toyota. And we're going to talk about who was confirmed as the celebrity investor interested in purchasing partial ownership of Richard Petty Motorsports. Let's talk about this. It's going to be, this has a lot riding on it. So let's, let's talk about it. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, let's preface this whole thing before we actually get into it. So Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal, who I uh, reference a lot on this podcast, he tweeted out a couple weeks ago that a celebrity investor was interested in purchasing Richard Petty Motorsports. Andrew Merstein, the owner of Richard Petty Motorsports, had been talking to investors. One of them, he had said, was a celebrity. So that's some big interest there. Bubba Wallace, a couple weeks ago, had said that he had a contract on the table for Chip Ganassi Racing. He had also said that there was a big announcement coming in the coming weeks. We were not sure what that is, but I think a lot of people could guess that it had to deal with Richard Petty Motorsports. You know, reports had come out that Bubba Wallace was offered ownership stake. It was then confirmed that he already has partial ownership in the team. So a big announcement being prefaced by Bubba Wallace in a race interview a couple weeks ago. Well, it was confirmed on Door Bumper Clear, the podcast from Dirty Mo Media, that the celebrity that is in talks with Richard Petty Motorsports is Michael Jordan. Now, this is interesting because Denny Hamlin on his Instagram story a couple days ago, 
posted an interesting photo of him in a Toyota and Air Jordan Polo with the caption, quote, Big Day, LFG, which is Let's Fucking Go, Places. So a nice little, uh, nice little, uh, t- you know, using Toyota's tagline, uh, Let's Go Places. Um, so... The interesting thing about this is, you know, when we see Denny Hamlin do interviews, when we see him do media press, he's usually wearing a Gibbs shirt with FedEx on it, right? You know, he's obviously uh, supporting his his sponsors and, and you know, uh, just doing that. But on this particular shirt that he chose, FedEx was not present. Now, does this have a lot of meaning? Am I thinking too much into it? I don't think so. Because Denny Hamlin, as we know, is a Jordan brand ambassador. Him and Michael Jordan have a friendship. They go back uh, years. And Denny Hamlin is a Jordan brand athlete. There is a rumor that Richard Petty Motorsports is talking to Toyota. Levine Family Racing is shutting their doors. They sold their operations to Spire Motorsports. Spire Motorsports is becoming a two-car team. Joe Gibbs no longer has a, an alliance with any team. They are the sole Toyota team, aside from Gaunt Brothers, that's in the Cup Series. There, that will be in the Cup Series in 2021. So what does this all mean? Well, the first thing you can think of is Richard Petty talking to Toyota. There's no way in hell that would ever happen. I believe this happened a couple weeks ago, that Richard Petty, when they were deciding to switch manufacturers, when they uh, went from Ford to Chevrolet, Toyota was never an option. Richard Petty did not want to do business with Toyota. They chose Chevy. And obviously Chevy hasn't been where they, where they have uh, historically ran ever since introducing the Camaro. It's been three years of mediocrity. Uh, and I think that's being generous. So what does this mean if Richard Petty is actually talking to Toyota? And if Jimmy, J- uh, not Jimmy Johnson, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan are in discussions of possibly taking partial ownership of this team. Now, I don't believe that a driver can drive for one team and own another. I think that this changed after Dale Earnhardt, who obviously drove for RCR, but yet owned DEI. You know, Michael Jordan has expressed his interest in NASCAR. He attended the 2019 championship race to support Denny Hamlin. He obviously, as I said, has a relationship with Denny Hamlin, has a friendship with Denny Hamlin. Grew up in North Carolina. He owns the Charlotte Hornets. He's in the hub of NASCAR right there. And he's expressed his profound interest in the sport. Is Bubba Wallace the catalyst here? I think so. Bubba Wallace is the face of NASCAR right now. He's arguably changed NASCAR over the past couple months. He's brought multiple sponsors on board to RPM, Columbia, DoorDash, Cash App. A lot of money for Richard Petty Motorsports to use for sponsorship and to hopefully improve the performance of this team. So there's there's a lot there. You know, Bubba Wallace is the only black driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. That is definitely an appeal in the whole marketing aspect. Bubba Wallace could be a diamond in the rough. You know, we don't know. He has obviously run very well this year for under Richard Petty Motorsports standards. Um, you know, this team's still not a race-winning team. It's not even a top, a consistent top 15 team, even though we have seen Bubba Wallace run in the top 15 in some capacity this year. 
But if Richard Petty Motorsports does become a Toyota team, this obviously would establish a new alliance between them and JGR. Now, this has a bigger meaning for Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is the one, the one obstacle in this whole thing because, as I said, I don't think that a driver can uh, run for a team and own another. You know, it's hard to believe that Denny Hamlin would leave Joe Gibbs Racing with how he has ran in the past couple of years. He has arguably been the most dominant uh, driver at Joe Gibbs Racing in his prime. But creating a, an alliance with JGR, you know, this could allow Hamlin to take ownership in Richard Petty Motorsports if Richard Petty Motorsports opens a second car. If Bubba Wallace is slated to drive the 43, if Richard Petty Motorsports has enough funding from this where they can open a second operation, does that mean that Denny Hamlin could possibly drive that second car? If they have that alliance with Joe Gibbs. Could this also open the door for Eric Jones? If all of the dominoes fall, like I just laid out, and I'll do it again because I'll try and lay it out, you know, in chronological order, just to make it clearer, could this be what Eric Jones and Joe Gibbs need in order to hold on to Eric Jones? Eric Jones did an interview with Bob, Bob Pockers this morning, um... And he said that, you know, he understands the business. He has no hard feelings towards Joe Gibbs Racing because every sport is a business. No matter how well-respected you are at an organization uh, in any sport, you know, some people want change. And it's been proven that Eric Jones, you know, has not done that great in the Cup Series in the 20 car. And we've documented it's not all him. It's the entire team. So just the idea that Jordan could become a majority holder in ownership for Richard Petty Motorsports, Michael Jordan, the GOAT of the NBA, Richard Petty, Motor, Richard Petty, arguably the GOAT in the Cup Series, you know, that would be huge. So again, let me lay it out here. You Let me lay it out for you once again, just in case I lost you. Michael Jordan has been confirmed as the celebrity interested in purchasing partial ownership for Richard Petty Motorsports. Denny Hamlin, being a Jordan brand athlete, posted a photo on his Instagram story with a Toyota and Jordan brand polo in, the, in front of his giant-ass collection of Air Jordan sneaks. Big day, LFG places. No FedEx anywhere. No FedEx anywhere. So, sponsor, anything with FedEx is out of the question right now. Because Denny Hamlin chose that polo for a reason. Whether he was just doing basic media or whether something bigger was coming out of it. Denny Hamlin, being a Jordan brand athlete, posted that photo and wore that shirt. Richard Petty is apparently in talks with Toyota. This could form a new alliance between JGR and possibly Richard Petty Motorsports if all happens. Could Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan take over partial ownership of Richard Petty Motorsports, open a second operation at RPM, Hamlin drives that second operation with Bubba Wallace, and Eric Jones is able to remain on the Gibbs roster? That's, that's what I just laid out for you. 
you know, it's, it's, there's still a lot of unknowns. But just the fact that Michael Jordan is in talks with possibly owning a NASCAR team, a Cup Series team, is pretty remarkable and is going to have a lot of weight on it. So there are still a lot of unknowns. The only con- confirmation that I know of is that Michael Jordan is the celebrity investor. You know, all this stuff about Hamlin, all this stuff about Toyota, I'm not sure about. It's all just circulating around the NASCAR world right now. But this could be huge for NASCAR, for Bubba Wallace, for Richard Petty Motorsports. Again, it has been documented. This team could have been on the verge of shutting down years ago. No sponsorship, no crew chiefs, nobody was interested. You know, Richard Petty, this is the king. 200 wins in the freaking cup, ser- in the, in the cup Series in his career. You know, an icon. And nobody was interested in this team. And now, with Bubba Wallace, with the landscape of NASCAR, how it is now, with Bubba being the marketable individual that he is, with the sponsorship that he's brought on, there is interest here. So I would not be surprised if the Jordan brand pulls some strings. Even if Denny Hamlin's out of the question, if Denny Hamlin's just trying to, you know, further this with the conversations with Toyota, with the conversations with the Jordan brand, even if the Jordan brand itself just becomes partial owners, partial owners in NASCAR, in Richard Petty Motorsports, uh, which would allow Hamlin to stay at GGR. That's the only thing that poses a problem for me is I just don't think Denny Hamlin could, would leave JGR, even if it's with an alliance team. A lot of things being talked about, a lot of circulation going around, but that's all I have for you. I'm going to be eyeing this story like a hawk, because this could be, I think, one of the most impressive stories that comes out of 2020, that comes out of NASCAR in recent years, for a team that was where they were, in the dust, just three years ago. I mean, this is huge. So I will continue to monitor this. When things break, I'll be sure to let you guys know first. That's why you should follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on, on all social media, so we can talk about this over there. But that's what I have for you now. Michael Jordan is in talks with Richard Petty Motorsports about owning partial, owning parts of the team. Could Denny Hamlin be a part of that? I think there's a good possibility. Great, great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. So we'll see what happens in the near future. It's just it's great to see. It's great to see these guys from other sports try and get involved in NASCAR, man. So that is going to do it for episode eight here of The Shakedown. I appreciate you guys sticking with me here. Again, follow me on, on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, at Shakedown underscore pod, at MV Bachman, B-A-C-H. M-A, double N. It's going to be exciting, people. What's coming out over the course of the next couple of days. Daytona this weekend. I'll be back on Friday to discuss the weekend at Daytona. The storylines. Anything news related that comes out this week, you will be the first to know. Um, So hope you guys uh, are ready to jump right in. Um, Again, thanks so much for being able to stick with me. I'll have... My goal is to have everything set up and to get the YouTube channel launched next week. That's the ultimate goal. Um, so be sure to keep a lookout, keep on a lookout for that. I'll provide updates accordingly. Um, but that's going to do it for me. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Um, again, follow me on social media. We'll continue the conversation over there throughout the week. And I'll see you guys on Friday 
to debrief with some of the things that come out this week. Could be interesting. Could have, could have an interesting show on Friday. So I appreciate all the support, and I will see you guys then. Take it easy. Be well. Be safe. All that good shit. I'll see you guys on Friday.